Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 29, Practicing Powerlessness Who seeks to remake the kingdom will certainly fail. The kingdom is divinely planned. Humans cannot remake it. If they seek to remake, they destroy. If they seek to seize, they lose. Among beings, some go before, some follow. Some are hot, some are cold. Some are strong, some are weak. Some move, and others halt. Therefore the sage refrains from excess, luxury, and indulgence. That's verse 29 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Charles Johnston. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part 1 talks about what happens when humans try to force the Tao into certain configurations, and Part 2 says how and why we should proceed in seeking harmony with the Tao. At least that's my interpretation of it. In part one, Lao Tzu says, who seeks to remake the kingdom will certainly fail. And then it goes on with a couple of other admonitions about why we shouldn't try to make the world into what we want it to be. (laughs) So if that's on the governmental level, we can also have a look on a personal level, which is what part two is all about. He basically says, among beings, some go before, some follow, some are hot, some are cold, etc., etc. And he ends up saying at the end of the verse, therefore the sage refrains from excess luxury and indulgence. At first glance, I'm kind of like, well, why are we looking at this conclusion? And what does that conclusion have anything to do with anything? 
And I think the idea that Lao Tzu is putting forth in this verse is that in part one, we're looking at things at a large scale, like a lot of different people. And in the second part, we're talking about the way it works on an individual level. And so he's saying, well, look, if, if you want to go with the flow, refrain from excess because that only blocks you from it. So that's what I was able to piece together from reading this verse. So let's go ahead and wrap that up. And remember that verse 29 has two parts. Part one talks about what happens when humans try to force the Tao into certain configurations. They fail, basically. And part two talks about how and why we should proceed in seeking harmony with the Tao. Now let's put that back together. I'll read verse 29 again. Who seeks to remake the kingdom will certainly fail. The kingdom is divinely planned. Humans cannot remake it. If they seek to remake, they destroy. If they seek to seize, they lose. Among beings, some go before, some follow. Some are hot, some are cold. Some are strong, some are weak. Some move, others halt. Therefore, the sage refrains from excess, luxury, and indulgence. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering practicing powerlessness. Number one is that the Tao provides. And number two is that we can ride the Tao by being still. The Tao provides. This verse can be a little jarring at first. Maybe it's because the verse is so simple with very little, quote, intellectual wiggle room. <laughs> the idea in the first part is that the universe is perfect, either with us or without us, and how pointless it is that we try to change it. In Lao Tzu's time, he experiences what he calls in other verses the decline of Tao. In ancient Chinese culture, it was customary to revere ancestors and see them as the ones who practiced the Tao more proficiently than how Lao Tzu and his contemporaries did. There was this idea that rulers kept just showing up during the days right before the Warring States period. And it would seem that in Lao Tzu's opinion, they were trying to fix what wasn't broken. Lao Tzu argued that the people didn't really need to be ruled because the Tao was the underlying guidance system. I think we've heard that echoed before in previous verses. In the first part of this verse, Lao Tzu is saying that, look, you could do what you want to improve things, but you'll never be able to improve the Tao. It is perfect and much larger than you. So in 2020, I think it's fair to say that we can observe the same thing. There seem to be folks at the top who make the rules, move money around, and affect the lives of their subjects, constituents, or populations. Then, there are the people who live in whatever organization their government provides. Aren't the people at the top trying to make the world into a place of their own design? But wait, aren't we doing the same thing too? I think there's a little difference. Because the thing that we all share, whether we're on the economic top or below that, is that 
We have these things called personal ambitions that try to make things happen, that try to provide, that try to leave something behind. You know, human ambition, legacies. It's a natural thing for us to do until we awaken and realize that it's not really necessary. See, we were born, then immediately started developing our own senses of self. This sense of self was mostly separated from others. Therefore, we determined, using our logic, that we needed to provide for ourselves. And when our own provision fell into conflict with another human's, there was a problem. <laughs> so we learned to manipulate the world and people around us to get what we needed. And at some point we thought, well, if that worked out for getting what we needed, what about other stuff? Other stuff beyond food, shelter, and clothing. What about getting more than I need? Eventually, some of us learned to, quote, make things happen for ourselves, and we've used that to improve creature comforts, status, and maybe even security with money. But let me ask you this. Without our intervention, might we be open to the fact that we actually didn't provide ourselves with anything? Was it instead that perhaps we were setting intentions for our well-being and then the Tao provided for us? Sure, we moved our hands and our feet and said some words, but where did those life-giving, life-sustaining, and life-improving things come from? Did they come from the people who decided they would make the Tao better? <laughs> did they come from anywhere else than the Tao? I personally can't see that they did. The Tao provides. We have but to request it and then be open to receiving it. I realize at this point what I'm saying can seem a little out there. It is, I will admit, an incredible affront to my personal identity to think that I am not responsible for any one of my successes or failures. But that's the great trick in life insofar as I have experienced it. If I can let go of this perception that I am in control, I will see that I am not the one who's controlling anything. <laughs> I'm merely allowing the Tao to provide. And if I could admit that I'm powerless over absolutely everything, I will begin to see that the world runs just fine without me. In fact, I think it runs better without me trying to control anything. One of the great paradoxes I've experienced along my journey with a Tao is that once I can be comfortable in this idea of powerlessness, I actually open myself to receiving the Tao's power, which is many times over what I can actually exert. As long as I can leave my will or myself out of it, the Tao is ready to provide me with whatever I request. But see, that's the tricky part, because anytime I insert selfish ends into the request, I sabotage my connection with the Tao. In my experience, it seems that these are a few of the things that we can request. One is peace. I'm talking about inner peace. All of it is inner. Number two, awareness, inner awareness. Number three, creativity. Four, intuition. Five, healing and caring for others. And six, belonging. Those are the basic principles we can request. How they actually manifest are in myriad form. But it seems to me that when we make a request with these things in our hearts, the Tao responds immediately and willingly. How they show up, well... That's up to us to interpret, be aware of, and make use of them. Sometimes we're supposed to do nothing. 
Other times, we're supposed to do what's in front of us. Still other times, we're supposed to do what we've been doing all along. As long as we remain powerless, we have all the power of the Tao available to us. So, how do we do that? Well, we take a look at the second part of this verse. (laughs) Riding the Tao by being still. I'm looking at the horizon. It's nothing but water. It's ocean water. So it's always moving, and I can see little tiny peaks that are for one moment there and the next gone. I see a sudden rise in the water about 100 meters away. I wait, and now it's about 50 meters. Now 25. And it's on me. It lifts me gently up for a brief moment, and I can see the rest of the ocean behind it and the beach behind me. And as soon as that's happened, it's gone, and I am back at my previous level again. It's created a mist, and I can smell the wet, fishy, salty air. I can feel the slight but pleasant burn in my nostrils. I turn my gaze outward again and notice another rise in the sea. It comes and lifts me up again just like before, and it moves through me and continues to move toward the beach. Another rise. This time, I see it's perfect. I take my eyes off the wave and point towards the beach and start moving my arms in a paddling motion. No force behind it, just sort of lightly getting in the motion. The wave gets larger now, and I paddle a little harder, trying my best to match the speed of the wave. It lifts me up, and now I'm full throttle, paddling as hard as I can to follow the crest of the wave, and then, then I tip over the peak and begin sliding down this glass-like surface, this moving, writhing, can't-be-stopped force that is taking me with it. I feel the vibration of the water under my board as I glide down the wave while it keeps coming up to meet me. I am riding the power. I am both using and being one with the power of earth and the sea, and in that fleeting moment, we are in harmony. Then, almost too soon, the wave breaks and the raw power I was riding quickly fades, and I am standing closer to the beach. Wanting more, I turn my back to all the people and head out toward the waves to do it one more time. I feel like the second part of this verse and its meaning can be summed up by what we just thought about. Sometimes life is intense. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes things are vibrant. And sometimes they're tranquil. So life ebbs and flows, just like the Tao. And what are we supposed to do, according to Lao Tzu? We're supposed to avoid excess, extravagance, these sort of things. Sometimes there are waves, and sometimes there aren't. Sometimes there are big ones, and sometimes there are small ones. The wave rider is still, most of the time, except when she needs to exert her energy to catch a wave that's incoming. How silly would it look if she were to stand on her board, wave her arms around, and say, Look at me, I'm here, catching waves! Would she be acting extravagantly? How many chances for good rides would she miss? As she keeps to the state of non-action, waiting for the right moment, she won't miss any. So I have to ask myself, when an opportunity comes up to be of service, do I see it? 
Or am I busy making myself look good? And when that service opportunity arises, am I ready to take the gift that is embedded in it? Am I ready to receive calm, creativity, or intuition? And how about with things that are seemingly bad? When an inconvenient situation arises and I would rather not deal with it, shall I exert energy in trying to avoid it? Or can I trust that it is most likely an opportunity for growth? Once it passes, for it always does, can I see that I'm usually left a little better off, assuming I've done my best to be present for it and learn what I can? Latsu advises the sage to be still, avoiding extravagance. Sometimes things are happening and sometimes they're not. The Tao provides all that you and others need. So why not be available to ride it when it appears? To wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering practicing powerlessness, I thought about two things. Number one was that the Tao provides. And number two was that I can ride the Tao by being still. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of practicing powerlessness in this verse today by imagining we are looking at life like waves. If you were to picture yourself on the beach looking at the waves coming in, would it occur to you to try and stop them from coming in? I'm usually captivated by their beauty, so in the moment I can't say I've really had the inclination to try and do that. But let's imagine, if we were standing there, could we try and stop the waves from coming in? It seems silly to even think about now that I'm pausing and entertaining this notion. I mean, I suppose we could build something that would flatten them or even control the forces out at sea that create them. At least so we would alter the wave appearance when it came in. But why? Sometimes there are big waves and sometimes there are little ones. Sometimes they come from different directions. Sometimes they're good for riding and other times not so much kind of all depends on what's going on that day. I'd like you to think about yesterday. Imagine any situation in which you found yourself when you're committed to the moment. Did you happen to be looking in another human being's eye? Were you experiencing a powerful feeling? Or did you help somebody when you're in the moment? Imagine those in-the-moment experiences as you being on the wave, riding it while it lasted. Did that situation eventually pass and move on to a different situation? Was there a time in between situations where you just observed what was going on around you? Or did you find yourself thinking about that last experience? Or were you thinking about future experiences that you desired or wanted to have. Each wave is different, and so is each situation in which we participate. Can we take a moment to observe how each of them is like a wave that we're riding? Some of them are great rides. Others, it doesn't turn out so well. But that's okay, because there are always more waves to ride and they don't come in constantly either. Sometimes it's a time for rest. Other times it's time to paddle as hard as you can so the wave doesn't break right on top of you. 
So let's wrap things up today in considering the principle of practicing powerlessness. I'd like you to try and observe the life events you experience today as waves. When you're at rest, remember that the waves come automatically without your intervention. Your part is to choose a wave to ride, align yourself with it, and allow it to do most of the work. All you need to do is keep your balance if you can. If you can't, know that there will be more times to ride. In either case, being present with the situation is your ride. Enjoy. To close out this episode, I will leave you with a final reading of verse 29 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Charles Johnston. Who seeks to remake the kingdom will certainly fail. The kingdom is divinely planned. Humans cannot remake it. If they seek to remake, they destroy. If they seek to seize, they lose. Among beings, some go before, some follow. Some are hot, some are cold. Some are strong, some are weak. Some move, others halt. Therefore, the sage refrains from excess, luxury, and indulgence. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.